five or six verses, and we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, first one, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we uh, continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death, therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death that, uh, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the uh, glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, but for uh, but for old, knowing this, but our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for the uh, for he who has died has been freed from sin. I'll stop right there. Alright? Uh, well, I'm going to read number eight. So now, if we die with Christ, we believe that he shall all, that we shall also live with him. We'll stop there. Alright, so uh, God shows us uh, that sanctification is through the Spirit. It's through the Spirit. Uh, Christ uh, did not mature by continuing in sin. He, he, he wasn't sinless to start with, but uh, uh, Christ set us free from the control of sin, and we'll get into that in verses six, uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Um, and so as we die to the control of sin, the first couple of verses talking about, God calls us to think about certain questions. Uh, 6 1. Uh, so God calls us to question what we think and do. Uh, God wants us to question how we should act under grace. Romans 6, 15, which we haven't got there yet. So how should we act? How should we act under grace? Should we continue to live our lives like we did prior to coming to Christ? Or should there be a, should we be changing not only our thought processes, but our thinking through the with the help of the Holy Spirit and our brothers and sisters who help us come to maturity in Christ? Uh, so God asked if we should continue in sin so that grace may abound. No. No. How will grace abound if we continue in our sin? That's one of the problems that we have in Western Christianity today. We have people who've accepted Christ. We have people who have had a real experience with Jesus Christ, yet they haven't matured. They, their prayer life. You know, there's an the old saying that, you know, the, the more you don't pray, the easier it is for your old life to come to strength, come out and go forward. And we're, we're so caught up in the way that society is today, we don't, you know, there's people that live on our street that we don't even know. You know, when I was a child, and, and coming up during my childhood, uh, everybody in town knew who you were. I mean, you couldn't do certain things without... It beat you home and they didn't have to go. You, you know, and so we don't have that relationship anymore. Uh, we, you know, we just don't. Because people are so caught up. And then we have cell phones and things like that are conducive for isolation. 
individualism. That's why we hear it is I'm entitled to my belief that if you don't like it, then, then you must be something wrong with you because you're supposed to feed into my personal belief. And that's the way it's going on today. And, and that's not right. So if if we continue in our sin, we have no testimony. We have no testimony. Why would somebody on the outside see us? They know we go to church because they drive by and see our cars parked up. And we don't live any different than they do. Why would they want to come? Why would they want to come? Why would they? Let me just take the case. Just a, a social club or some kind of exclusive secret society or something, you know. But we have to be different. We have to respond different to the world around us. And we can only do that through growth and faith in Jesus Christ. There's no way to make those changes. Okay. Yeah, no, I, it, you, you brought out. We're just going to tell us how to live. Right. How to live. Okay, what's our part? How do we, what, what, you know, you, you get to, you get to, goes back to Romans 2 4. You know, God does not want us to despise his goodness. Now, think about that. We, we, we come to Christ and, and, and we're starting to grow and we see brother so and so or sister so and so, their lives haven't changed that much, or either they, they have slid back and uh, they're just living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, whatever how you want to put it. Uh, and so, on, you know, it's like, like like a single teenage boy or a single young man. You know, uh, and remember a Sunday school class when we had to discuss. And, and um, you know, uh, we were talking about uh, the people on the cross. You know, uh, and one of the one of the members of the church said, you know, he said, I'm kind of I'm kind of upset about this. He said, here I have my whole life lived for Christ. I've done everything he's asked me to do and all that. He said, and then he said, and then the guy on the cross gets in by the skin of his teeth. It's kind of timely, not fair. It's, you know, he said, here I am. I said, but here's the deal. It, that invitation is open to everyone. It's open to everyone. And I said, and I'm going to be honest with you. If I make it by the skin of my teeth, that's better than not making it at all. And I said, we're going to have, you know, the training of this life to do something there. I said, if I'm the janitor, it beats the CEO of hey. And so, uh, how do we do this? How do we do this? We don't know when it's someone's time to come to Christ. That's not our place. Our place is to share with that. Friends and see do it. But we see each other, and that's why God tells us we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because if we see Brother So and so struggling with the, or he's not struggling, he's not trying with, with something. Whatever that subject may be, or whatever that advice may be, and here we are, we're over here. You know, we have the same issue with that, but we're we're not we're not giving into it. And you see, everybody treating him a little different than they're treating me. And here I am, I'm you know I'm Lord, I need to help me every day. Yes, that can build up some uh, some hard feelings. And so, well, God, why are you being good to him and, and not being good to me? Well, he is being good to you. He's really not being good to him, so that guy didn't take. You know, it didn't take. It might be one of them ones. You know, you, you know, we we back to spring like to think about holding somebody under the water and give a little soliloquy and pull them back up. You know, when they <gasps> when you baptize them, you make sure it took. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know that 
what's going on with somebody else. That's between them and God. And we come along and, and kind of encourage them. But we're not supposed to, to, to and we, we as humans are prone to do this, uh, compare ourselves to, to others. Because we've been brought up, especially in the United States, we've been brought up in, in a society that teaches us you have to earn your reward. You have to you have to earn this, you know, and especially if you if you ventured off into any of the government agencies or, or military, you know, I can remember our girls started telling us the first thing they said, you know, I'm not your mom, I'm not your dad, I'm not your friend. You'll remember my name the rest of your life. And if you're not first, you're not crap because you're the first loser if you come in second. Nobody knows who comes in second. Nobody knows who finished last. Everybody knows who won. And so it's very competitive. And then you get that instilled into you as a young man and you take it out of the world. And, and that's the opposite of what we need to be doing. We need to care about each other. You know, the one thing that they did they told us that the first two letters was us. U.S. I just have to be honest with you. U.S. Army said the first two letters is us. And more than anybody else is just us. We're the only ones that's going to save us. We're the only ones that's going to look after each other. It's us. And so we learned to work as a team. Somebody said, I need to go back and get them and help them. You know, that's what you, you, you ran as a team. Uh, and so that's what, that's what Christianity should be like a team, a giant team. You know, if, just for instance, if Robin's hurting, then all of us in this church should notice that she's hurting. And if Robin's doing great, all of us should notice she's doing great. And we should be just as excited for her and is concerned about her when it's great or it is when she's hurt. I mean, you know, that's, we, we're supposed to love each other like ourselves. But there's a but yeah. out there. Yeah. God has yet to bloom. And if we go pulling the petals out of that blossom and try to fix them early, and they haven't got the character and that perseverance mm-hmm. and character yeah. we just yeah. covered in this. Yeah previous chapter, that we pull out uh, the petals for them, you're going to have a mess. James looking at me and knows what a mess a flower would be if you pull the petals out. Well, that's a good analogy here, but in this in this Rome church, Paul is almost anxious to pull the petals out. Right. He's wanting people to know now, hey, this is how you live, and he's going to lay down all these things. By the way, during this time, the Christians were considered atheists. Do yeah. you think we have an upside-down world where they turn turn the truth around mm-hmm. us? The people who, in the pagan world, were serving gods saw the Christians as not serving the gods, and they called them atheists. In fact, one of those, I think it was Polycarp, when just before he was martyred, they called him an atheist he wouldn't battle Rome. He turned around and said, all you atheists out there, he turned it around. All you atheists, they were serving gods. This God, that God, and another God. He says, all of you atheists out there, I forget what he said exactly, but you are the atheists. Not we got the one true God. And that was completely backwards. And they were flipping the narrative on them, just like we get the narrative. Well, you know, and you're right. When they called somebody a Christian, that was not a term of endearment. It was a derogatory statement. And when they called somebody a Baptist, 
It was also a derogatory because they the rebaptizers and this and that, you know. Uh, but uh, Paul's going to go ahead and, and it, when we finish verse 1 here in this state, there's a lot that's going to be going on in this last little bit here. So God does not want us to decide the goodness, Romans 2 4. God will judge the world so that we are not to continue in evil. Romans 3, 5, and 8. God's going to judge the world. That should be enough for us to realize that we want to continue in our sin. He's going to judge the world. God says we establish the law through faith. Our faith is what establishes the law. They see us trying and doing the best we can, but the law was designed to turn people to the realization that they needed to save. That's all the law was for. Christ said he didn't come to do away with the law, he came to fulfill it. And so, uh, so that's where we're at there. Uh, God says we will establish the law through faith, Romans 3.31. Uh, God wants uh, wants grace to abound in our lives. Romans 5, uh, 20 and 21. For grace to abound in our lives, we have to be in touch with the Spirit. And when grace abounds in our lives, you know, what does He tell us? Who uh, much is forgiven, much is required. And, you know, He tells us that uh, we must forgive or we won't be forgiven. And it's not talking about our salvation forgiveness. It's talking about a relationship forgiveness. But we are called to forgive too. Remember, if you come to bring your, your offering to the altar and your brother's got a problem with you, you leave your offering, you go make it right with your brother, you come back and offer your offering. Or if you bring it to the offering and you have a problem with your brother, you leave your offering and you go make it right and you come back. Whose responsibility is it to make right no matter who's wrong? Uh, mine. Why is that? Number one, we're the only one that has control over us other than Christ. And number two, by doing with the heat, if they're wrong though, the heat colds on their head. And now, I, 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 and I've got an old body, and when it talks about keeping the colds on somebody's head, they had a hat that looked like one of those, uh, it had a brim on it, and it had a thing you tied under your neck, and it looked like one of those Weber grill charcoal starter things without a helmet on it. It had little holes at the bottom. And they put charcoal in there, and that guy walked around through town as long as that sentence was smoke. Smoke coming off his head. Now, you know it had to be hot under there, but, you know, when somebody did it wrong, they said the heat coals the fire on their head was actually something that happened. It's something they did, you know. It, because probably the alternative to that would be a stone at the city gate. Give me the hat, I'll buy it all, and I'll walk around. You know, uh, and so uh, it, 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 it's amazing. So we're called to forgive. I know it's funny. It's funny. That's, that's like that sect of, of Pharisees, the bloody head Pharisees. You know, they were so strict that they were afraid they would see a woman that they walk with their head down and they call them bloody-headed Pharisees because they were walking the wall and bust the forehead of them. For real! You know, and, uh, so, <coughs> it, it, it's amazing to what extremes people go to. You know, and, and that's all they had to do was read the Word of God back in the Old Testament where it says nothing in excess is good. So, you know, don't go away this way, you know, with less, don't go away over here with more. Just kind of find your middle ground and, and fly. Uh, 
And so that's what he's talking about. That grace will abound in our lives. God wants us to serve one another in love. All this is in verse 1. And this was Galatians uh, 5.13. We're to serve one another in love. God wants us to use our liberty to serve Him. First Peter 2.16. We've been set free from the bond of sin. For what? We've been bought with a price. And God knows it was a heavy price to pay for us. To do what? Not just to have a relationship with Him to receive. He said you receive and you become a river of living water. It flows out. We are to serve others. You know, we are to be that living water. We are to be that, that conduit that brings eternal life and eternal water to people. That's what we're called to do. And so, uh, God says that some turn the grace of God into bondage. Now, we're getting into the parasitical part of it. We're getting into the rules and the regulations that man puts on people uh, to take the grace of God and turn it into bondage. But, that you can lose your salvation. Yeah. The, uh, you know, there's different ways. You can't, you can't be saved because you haven't spoken tongues. You can't be saved because you haven't received this gift or that gift or you haven't manifested that gift in your life. Those are all man things. Those are all things that people have put and it put bondage on people coming to Christ or having to come to Christ. Like the Jews were talking about, you know, you got to be circumcised, and then that's when you know it's in the earlier the chapter there, and Paul talks about the circumcision and the uncircumcised, and, you know. So which one is right? You know, Abraham didn't have it, you know, but yet God found him right, you know. So um, there, go ahead. But John puts it this way: it's the same thing with the people make an argument. And I'll I'll read down to the five points of it. It comes right down. What you said, if we are sinners and cannot help ourselves, we will continue to sin in the future. Second, grace through faith saves believers from condemnation apart from the law. We know that. So, maintaining a belief, a believer can live sinful lives without losing salvation. Grace is not sufficient motivation for holy living. These are logical thinking from this verse that is from the argument outside of Paul. So therefore, you must put people under the restraint of the law again. Right. So that's where they get parasitical. They put them back under this restraint of the law. Right. So now we have to go under the law and be good, and we must penalize. We must beat ourselves into submission, right? Uh, doesn't work. It's a flawed argument. And that's what Paul is saying. In this first part of this, he makes this, there's four parts to this whole thing. Um, the, the four parts, <coughs> it, it starts in a concept where uh, he is talking about the initial part of the thing, right? That here is reasoning. There's four things. Reasoning, appealing, commanding, and warning. And the last one of this whole chapter is the warning. And it's one of our go-to uh, verses for bringing somebody through the uh, Roman road, the last verse. But here's the point. 
all of these sections, these first 11 verses is talking about reasoning. You cannot because you are united with Christ. And so in this argument man makes, we leave the grace Christian part out of it and we want to take over and put the law as put herself back in the bondage of the law and consider and be the judge of ourselves and consider that we are good. Right. In a sense. Parasitically right. good. Right. Superior. Superior. But this reasoning is the first part of Paul's argument here. We're in Christ. Right. And uh, and so God, you know, God says some turn the grace of God in your mind. That's second Peter 2, uh, 18 and 19. And so you can go back and look at your life. You can look at the situation that you had in different, the different uh, interactions you had in different churches, and you can see the nuances of that. You know, uh, people you, requiring certain things for membership. You know, like, well, this is not a bondage. This is just a, an order. You know, we as Baptists believe that in order to be a member of a Baptist church, you have to have been baptized by immersion. Has nothing to do with your salvation, but we know that it was it's the order. Christ has baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we as Baptists believe that he was immersed because he, the book says that, that John baptized him and he came up out of the river. And being old, you know, not the brightest bulb in the in the hallway, but being a country boy with, with some common sense, you can't come up out of the shower. You can only come up out of something that you've been immersed in. And having done some research in my schooling, uh, I'll, I'll get into that. I'm not going into that right now. Why French didn't come about to start with. But uh, anyway, uh, and so there's all kind of there's all kind of things. You know, you have we had some people say so you have to be on uh, there's some churches. Uh, well, once you join the church, uh, you have to present yourself and you become a uh, uh, prospect. you got to attend and do certain things for 12 months before you can become a full member. There are other things, other denominations. I know Roger told me about one. You had to come to a certain epiphany at some point in your life for you to be accepted into the church. I mean, that's all man stuff. That's all man stuff. God says when He calls you to Christ, when you come to Christ and you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, that moment you you become a new creature. You get a your new heart, a new mind. And the other thing is, is that moment you accept Him, there is a bang going on in heaven. The angels and everyone in heaven to celebrate that salvation. That salvation. And you know, you've read about the banquet that they had in the Old and New Testament. It, it would go on for days. And those people are up there praising God that that's one soul that saved them. And, and so, uh, those are the things that, that we need to be aware of. And you, you, come, you don't find them just by talking to brothers and sisters. You find them by reading the Word of God. Nuggets. You pull these nuggets and jewels or whatever you want to call it. And God says that uh, some turn the grace of God into loot. There were people that, and they're still today. You, there are people who take the word of God and they take a position and, and they do things not right. It's not biblical. It doesn't tell you anywhere in the Bible that it's biblical, that it's 
Christ entered. And they take it and they convert it. And so how do you know whether you're in a converted church or not? If you don't know the Word of God and you're not having a relationship with Christ through prayer, growing in faith, you, you might sit there. You might sit there. You know, I'm not calling out any other things, but uh, I I went to a church when I was in the service one time with a buddy of mine. I did not know his mom was a Pentecostal preacher. A holiness Pentecostal preacher. I grew up in a Baptist church in the South. You know, we were told from the time we were little until I graduated high school, you make a family in church, we're going to beat you when you get the car. You know, you, we were supposed to be heard, not seen. First time I heard somebody shout, Amen, I thought the wall was going to crack. You know, because everybody was quiet. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it was. The way I grew up in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. You know, you didn't. No, you didn't do that. And uh, so I go home to Vicksburg, Mississippi with this boy who go to his mom's church and she started preaching and Man, those people got up running around. Running around the church, walking on top of the pews. And when they started falling down in the floor, I left. I, I went outside. And I got on the hood of his car and I was smoking in Marlboro Theory. It's like they were going out of town. Waiting, waiting for the fire department to pull up because that place was on fire. You know, uh, something was going on. People were crazy. I'd never seen anything like that. Now, she laughed about it. And that's the truth. It scared me. Uh, not saying that right or wrong, but they, 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 they were full of something. And uh, they, were, they, they were happy, they were they were singing gospel songs and all, you know, so anyway. But it, it, I'm not saying that's losing, but if you've never seen that, that's like going to the mountain. A like buddy of mine went up there, he had to read this because they just brought the snakes out. He said, I said, well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad I didn't go with you. I'm supposed to go with you that weekend. Um, but who knows? You know, we know we know what God called us to do. You know, they, they get that thing from Mark in the book of Mark where it's snake biting up. You know, you're, you, 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 and they drink they drink arsenic and poison. Why do you want to test them? Why? What if you? What if he said, "No, today ain't your day." Boom! You get bit, you die, or you take a drink of this and you you poison yourself. No, no. He said, "Don't test me." You're to try to figure you ain't supposed to take it. But anyway. Um, and, and this, so this is all saying this is a efficient position. Right. This is a position. Right. You are in Christ. Right. And it's secure. And it's because of grace. But what is he shifting gears or on his shifting gears to a practice? Think about that. Doctors get a practice and make mistakes. If we get a practice, uh, not sin. We need to practice. So that's what he's going to tell us in verse two. You know, I mean, that, that that's exactly what it is. It's, it's not something that's guaranteed, right. but it's something we begin to do right. in the, the to meet the orthodox thing, the doctrinal thing. Paul's trying to lay down here. We're going to practice being good. Sure, we'll fail, but in practicing it. That's where this crazy argument comes. Let's go back to the law yeah. so we can penalize each other for not getting it right. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. Yeah. And you know, God says that we're not, but we should that we should never think that way. But we do. We do. I mean we're he knows. But that's why he's telling us through Paul, we shouldn't think that way. I know you're going to because I was with you. 
Um, and so God says we shouldn't, we should certainly not think that way. God says that we should test the spirit. You notice I said test. Didn't say try. Didn't say, you know, we're to test the spirit. First John 4 1. We ain't supposed to argue with him. We just supposed to test the spirit. You can tell whether it's a good spirit or a bad spirit. I've had people come into my office on counsel and they try to convince you that the Lord told them that what the act they were coming to talk to you about, which is unbiblical, that they were told by the Spirit. I told them, and I had to tell them, I said, look, I said, I'm not trying to upset you. You might have heard a Spirit, but I can assure you it wasn't a Holy Spirit because a Holy Spirit will never contradict God's Word, period, ever. And so uh, that's not what they were looking for, and they kind of got upset, and then they realized that, that's right, you know. Um, and so God says that our old man has been crucified with Christ. It's been crucified. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. <laughs> and spiritually. And the old guy has been put away. You're a new person in Christ. That's, that's the first miracle of your salvation. If you are a new person, that is your first miracle. And you won't find that out until you get a little bit longer uh, farther in your journey and maturity. You know, because you're starting out, you're like a newborn baby, you're on milk. And, uh, and so we're going through that. Uh, that's Romans uh, uh, 6, verse 5 and 10. Uh, God says that we are to act on that fact. That Romans 6, 11, which we didn't read, we thought that 8 or 10, but uh, we're to act on that fact. That fact that we have been crucified. The old man has been crucified with Christ and has been buried. And God says that we have died to sin. We're dead to sin. Just like Christ. Once and for all, period, it's over with. The sins are not. The penalty of sin now has been taken care of. And God can't sin. This is part of this. God said that we got right. Go ahead. He said that we we have we have died to sin, and He gives us an example uh, of dying to sin, like Joseph in Genesis thirty-nine. Joseph died to sin. Uh, God says that we learn to hate every false way. The, uh, King David wrote that in Psalm one nineteen one hundred four. Uh, God says that we do not practice sin because of our new life. Or John uh, 3 9. You know, we have a new life. I told you about, you know, when I came to Christ and, uh, and really understood it. You know, I, I told everybody. And finally, one day my dad said, Man, you got to lighten up on this. He said, he said oh, We hear it from you 24 7. I said, Well, tell me something better. And uh, so I was a teenager and he, he said, I can't tell you anything better than lighten up. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, and God says that we are crucified to the world. Uh, oh, I'll turn it back up. Uh, God says that we do not practice sin because of our new life. For John 3, 9, God says we are crucified to the world in Galatians 6, 14. God says we should no longer live in sin. He says that His love should cause us to purify ourselves. For John 3, 1, 3. We're to purify ourselves. That's why we go to God daily in our prayers. We get up in the morning, we ask God to guide us during the day. During the day, we make mistakes, we do this, we ask God to forgive us. We need help, we ask God to help us. Uh, if it's nothing more than trying to get a bolt, a nun on a bolt that's in a hard spot, 
And we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. We just, Lord, you got to help me. I can't do this. And then all of a sudden, that kind of trying goes on. It, we have to call upon him on all things. And so he does this. Uh, and we're to purify ourselves. At night before we go to sleep, that should be the last thing that we do. We should ask God to forgive us of our sins and protect us during sleep and give us the ability to rest well so that we can try again. You know, and, and my start my day with Lord, please help me not to drag your hands through the mud. Go ahead. Paul here, when he starts out, you see this repeats itself. Uh, what shall we say then? And then he says, don't you know? He's telling them, don't you know that we were we died to sin? No, we're not going to continue sinning. We died to it. Christ died to it. We were baptized and we crucified in it. Stop right. it. Yeah. Don't, don't put your arms around it and hang on to it. Leave it alone. Yeah, 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 you're going to mess up. But it should be an abhorrent. The Spirit should be pricking you every time you do something that is against the righteousness of God. You are now, you have been declared righteous now. He's trying to get him to feel this. Right. No, 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 no. And that's where he never. That's where he stayed here. You know, God says that we should no longer live in sin. Uh, he says that his love should cause us to purify ourselves. For God, uh, chapter three, verses one and three. That's the practice. Right. The purify. Right. The try. Right. To bring the try to the table. I love that. And God says we're now to bear fruit to God in Romans seven four, which we had not yet. Um, he makes it possible for us to live under Him in Galatians 2.19. God says our lives are hidden with Christ in God in Colossians 3.3. Our lives are hidden. If our lives are hidden in Christ, who can harm us? That part is, is, is secure. It's, just, it's the securest place in the universe of all of creation. Because we are hidden in Christ. With Christ in God, we're hidden. We're are hidden in or with Christ in God. So um, that's Colossians three three. God has given us twenty four. The Holy Spirit comes to live unto righteousness. If we will yield to it, if we understand it, that that the 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 profane word world calls it conscience. Righteousness and the unbeliever can still be reached right. by God, and that's why it's still there. And ours has is, got an additional helper called the Holy Spirit. So we get both. We got a conscious, but we got this Holy Spirit with really, really rails on it. Yes, yeah. and, and, and He's going to finish up. I, I like the way He finishes up verse 2. You know, I'm going to read verse 2 again. It says, uh, it says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Alright? And then this is what God says for the last of, you know, we're, we're not longer to live in sin. God has given us power to live as new creation. Once you say you are a new creation, how does that power come? Because He, the creator of the universe, the creator of man, did that to us through His Son. And part of the Godhead is delivered to us. The Spirit. 
That's why we're able to go straight to God. We don't need to go behind a, a, a big veil into the Holy of Holies. And when we go to make our petition to God, we don't need to tie a rope around our foot in case God strikes us dead that can pull us out. So we don't rock in there. We are saved. We have access to God himself. Straight through. Through Christ. He tells us in, 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 in Colossians that we are a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Who can go into the Holy of Holies? The high priest. We can go into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is in our heart. Where did he say he was going to build the temple? In the hearts of men. When I was a youth pastor, I used to ask the kids, is there anything that you would say out there that you would never utter in here? And they said, yeah. I said, well, if you're uttering it out there, you're uttering it in the temple because God built the temple in your heart. We never thought about that. Well, I didn't either until I got convicted. Conviction. Listening to the Holy Spirit. Things that you're doing wrong come to you. For me, when I do it, right there. Right there at the bottom of my thumb. It makes me stick on my thumb. I'm hard-headed. And so there's a lot of times I get stick on my thumb because I refuse to listen to the Spirit. That's on me. But that's 2 Corinthians 5, 14, and 17. And so, uh, you know, we've been, we've been raised to walk in the life in verse 3. It says, we have been baptized into Christ, or into Jesus Christ, victory. Jesus has baptized those who believe in Him. We have become the temple of God. And they're talking about that. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Isn't it amazing? If you, have you ever gone through the Bible and read every chapter 3, verse 16? They pertain to Jesus. 3.16? Yep, 3.16. I did that one night. I was bored and I said, let's do this. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, we have become the temple of God. It's about Jesus. It's about God. Verse 3.16, where everybody, or, you know, John 3.16, everybody knows that. And just go through one night and just read it. You'll be obeyed. You'll be obeyed. Uh, we are to glorify God with our body and spirit. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. It's not just that we're to glorify God with our body by sustaining from the lewdness uh, uh, and all that, but our spirit is to be spiritual. We're have you ever run across somebody who said they were Christian and they were mean to everybody? I mean, look like they've been walking around sitting on a fire pickle or something, you know, they just have a bad disposition. You can't serve God and love Jesus and be ugly to his people that made it in his You can't do it. You can't do it. What did he say? You can't serve two masters. So we're supposed to be not only transformed. In, in, in our uh, uh, physical outlook, but why should we be transformed in our spiritual Our inward self that God, the Holy Spirit talked to us. You know, it, it took me a long time to get comfortable to tell people I love them. Now I almost do it out of habit. But it took me a long time to get there. It, was, it seemed like it was uncomfortable. Well, how are they going to react to you know, 
What are they going to think when I say I love you? How are they going to respond? And I mean, it was hard to do. Just like now, I'm working, I'm working in my prayer to call Christ daddy. And I hadn't got there yet. I hadn't got there. I still call him Jesus, still call him Father. Um, I hadn't got there yet. And, I, and that's not so much that it's out of a sign of respect, because I'm not that comfortable doing that. In Spanish, when they pray, they call him Senor. Senor. As friend, we got his friend today. And, and in Spanish, and, and Senor, Senor. <laughs> I was like, I, I get that. I know now. <laughs> what I just want to add into this baptism and to this death. Um, and we died with him. And we're raised with them. When did this happen? Over 1900 years ago, this happened. It happened 19. At just the right time, those words come alive to me so many times. At just the right time. Do you know that the New Testament never contemplates anyone ever not being baptized by immersion, but assumes if you have converted, you have submitted to baptism. Never, never does a question that in anywhere in the in the New Testament. Always assumed you know you submit and be baptized once you have become a believer. He is baptized into himself. We have been baptized into the body of Christ. First Corinthians 12, 13. We've also we have also put on Christ. It's not just we've been baptized into the body. We have put on Christ. Now, this is, this is I'm going to, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to so, so, God is sitting in heaven. His creation is going, they turn away from him. So what does he do? He has a miraculous birth. His son, his physical son, birth to a virgin birth. So the only DNA is from the mom. And if you were to check that, there's only one that's only one it could be because that right. So alright. So to, to get that he goes through his life, he ready, he serves, he does what he's supposed to do, he dies, he goes, he's buried, he raises, he ascends to heaven. So the creator of the universe come down off this put on flesh the creator of the universe but on his creator walk in it freely let himself die was risen as a substitute for us walked around for 40 some odd days 5, 600, 700 people seen it and then ascended to heaven. And is alive sitting at the right hand of the Father. How do you wrap the world? The man who created me came down to save me. He did that for all of creation. He did 
did that for all of creation. He came down, he baptized, we were baptized into him. We have been joined to Christ. We are to live our lives to please him. I mean, think about what he's done. You know, he said, I bought you with Christ. So Paul recognized that. He starts his soliloquy or his, his introduction to the, the various churches. I call a slave Christ, a bondservant of Christ. We're all bondservants. We're all. You know, it's not it's not what Jerry wants. It's what God wants. What does he want Jerry to do? What can I do for you? Let me recognize the people in the circumstances you're putting in front of me. And you see these things. And so, um, that's why it says, I will give the North Carolina back that they changed their little logo about 10 years ago, and it makes beautiful sense. Own mission in Christ. Own mission in Christ. Yeah? Um, and so that's what we're to be. You know, we're on mission in Christ. Our mission is to, is to share the gospel. And to quote Adrian Roberts, when necessary, use words. Our lives should be a picture of, of, of Christ's work in us. And then Jesus baptized us into his death. We have been buried unto his death in Romans 6, 4, and 5, and we are now to live unto Christ in Galatians 2, 20, uh, uh, chapter 2, 20 and 21. We've been raised into him. We've been raised, baptized into Christ, into himself. He baptized us into himself. We've been... And all we have to do is believe in him. And we're secure. Because remember, it said, it said in the first verse that we've been hidden with Christ in God. And what did he say? Who the Father puts in my hand, no man can take out. If no man can take you out, you, you can't even take you out. And for those who, who worry, have I committed the unpardonable sin by the fact that you're asking that question, answer no. The, the sins have been done over 1900 years ago. Uh, the penalty is very high. You know, I go back to Gary Haberman. You know, Jesus came down as a evidence. Gary is a man and proved <laughs> proved that you could you could live by the law and did it for us. So he was a perfect sacrifice for us. But he left us with over 500 Eric eyewitnesses. They were eyewitnesses. Nick and Gary Habermas, when he went to do his thesis, said, I want to prove the resurrection. And the most absurd uh, claim for a doctor's uh, thesis. He said, I, I can only write probably 150 pages. He said, you're going to have to write about 200. Well, I'll try. And he went back. He said, you can't use the Bible. Uh, he actually was able to use the Bible. But he proved it against many other historical things that didn't even come close to the... 25 years later, Paul's writing this letter. 
25 years later. The closest thing to, to yeah, I, this is an eyewitness thing, you know, Galatians and First Corinthians 15, I believe it is. Um, eyewitness comments in Paul Brock. Proclaims it so well, Gary Habermas used it. When he used it, the professors who were atheists and were agnostic and were Jewish uh, gave him a, like a, a gold star on an 850 page thesis when he was done. The guy has been loud ever since. He teaches at Liberty, he, writing his his last thousand pages of book to, to proclaim Christ. And the point is here, it's right out of the Bible. He, he, he couldn't use the Bible, but the Bible stood so solid, they couldn't turn it down. And we have it. We have it today. And he has all these eyewitnesses. And his biggest part, did you know, the apostles went to their death believing this. And a lot of other ones were burned on, on poles and crucified believing this. No one goes to their death believing something so unified went to their death believing this. The first thing about Paul that strikes me is Paul was called an apostle. But his eyewitness account of Christ was from the other side. He was he was a, a dissenter. He was a he was a doubter. He he was a protagonist. You know, he went around and and he he met with all the guys in the Sanhedrin trying to convince them that you know, we didn't kill this guy. He was a, a blasphemer. Yeah, that's what Paul said. You know, Christ was blessed. And then on his little, he gets his warrant to go to Damascus, and on the way, he has an encounter, changed his life forever. Um, and he suffered a lot for the Lord. But, uh, but that being said, you know, when he's making his his arguments up here, you would forget that you know he stuttered uh, under the mirror. and that was one of the top. Rabbis and teachers of the time. I mean, he knew Jewish law inside out. Started as a child, being taught to it, memorizing it, and then went to the university and became, for all practical purposes, he was a lawyer uh, in line or a judge in line to be sitting in the Supreme Court. So that's what the Sanhedrin was. Not only was there the Supreme Court, but they were also the Senate and the legislature. And so he was in line. That's a powerful place. And uh, and one eight. Yeah, you know, one eight. You know, um, wound up before the same people that he knew every one of. I mean, you know, he, he had to, he preached the gospel in front of every one of his former runners. Stick to the basket. Down the wall. Well, before that, I mean, you know, after it, what? Before he got to Rome, he had to go back to Jerusalem. And he, they took him before the Sanhedrin. Then he brought a, 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 a Gentile into the court. But, you know, this is, this is 
this is so good. We can sit here and just plow and plow and plow. And, and we can scratch the surface of these first four or five verses. And there's so much more left. Uh, it just, it, and, and for those of you that don't know, um, I have no one idea what Roger studied for this. For this. And he had no idea what I studied. And so uh, when we're sitting up there and he's talking, I'm hearing it. It's for the first time, and he's hearing mine for the first time. We're not we're not colluding in our in our study, and so it works out fine. We uh, we're able to uh, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, uh, it becomes a coherent. At least to us, anyway. Any questions, any comments? And any time you're doing this, if you have a question, ask. Um, we won't lose our train of thought. We'll, uh, we'll try to do our best to answer the question if we can. And then there's some questions we just, just, I don't know, we'll have to ask you uh, when we get there. Uh, and that's okay. So, excuse me, what verse will we be on? What What Verse five. Five. Okay. Actually, verse four. Okay. I think we four or five. We'll, we'll back up to four and go from there. Okay. Um, we only really got through three words. Okay. Sometimes it flies, and then there's other times one or two verses, and that's, and that's all you can do. But there, it's just so rich with with the and uh, and so we have we we have foul holes that uh, make sure that Roger and I are. Are within the uh, ballpark, and, and Miss Rachel lets us know if we get a foul ball or not. So she, she, she is, she's judging us uh, against Jay Wicker McKee, and she keeps telling us we ride right on line, we ride right on line. So, uh, and, and everything's fine. I, I went on through uh, Romans eight, I went right. that far, but um, I've got this restudy with Doctor McGee. He's not real happy with me right now. <laughs>
thank you with your word. We thank you for the fact that we have your word. Well, we're most thankful for the fact that we're endowed with the Holy Spirit so that we can rightly discern uh, your word and, and comment on it uh, as you guide us. Lord, we, uh, we do this for your glory uh, and for the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, bless all of us as we go home. Bring us back safely Sunday uh, so that we can worship you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.